The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey there. Before you start listening, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast. This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Labracaro, and this episode's guest is Shay Coulee. I wanted to create this fantasy world that lived within like nightclubs, discos, and dance floors, because I feel like for a lot of people in the queer community, um, it's a great way for us to come together and commune and celebrate and love on one another and also like love on ourselves. Hello, hello, hello. Um, I'm just realizing I think that's how RuPaul um, greets everyone when he enters the workroom on RuPaul's Drag Race, (laughs) Uh, which is oddly fitting because today's episode guest is um, a three-time uh, veteran of Drag Race, if you will. Um, she she won one of the All-Star seasons as well, I think either four or five, but we'll get to talking about her in a little bit. Before that, I want to take some time to catch up with you. I just felt like I should at least mention the <laughs> subconscious RuPaul reference at the beginning of the episode. Um, yeah, First of all, I hope you're well. As always, thank you for joining me again for another week here on Before the Chorus. I've had a busy, busy, busy past week. I went to two shows um, for dear friends of mine who are performing. First of all was Flight. They were playing, I think it was one of their first ever live shows with a full band in the United States. I've seen Flight perform many times. As you may remember um, from a few episodes ago, I had them on the podcast, and when I did so, I met up with them in Paris for their show at the Bataclan, where they were opening for yet another uh, Before the Chorus previous guest, Half Moon Run. So I do go to see Flight a lot, but they are friends of mine. So obviously I'm, I'm going to go support them. And I also haven't seen Flight do a full band show, I realized, since 2017, which to me is wild because I've seen them several times in between then and now, but always as like a stripped back acoustic set and getting to hear so many of the songs that have come out in between 2017 and now in a full band setting, even hearing certain songs live that they just wouldn't play acoustic because they didn't really work that way was amazing. I mean, I, you know, I rave on and on about, about the flight guys, but their musicianship is unbelievable. So getting to see that in its fullest version, uh, live after all these years was such a treat. They also did the show at a Masonic Lodge, uh, in South Pasadena, 
which was a fascinating space. Me and my friends went up to the green room area after and there was just so many like interesting objects, you know, books about the the Freemasons and like just weird little treasures. There were swords by the the mantle of the fireplace. And then weirdest of all, um, but kind of awesome, they had a, a sort of, I guess, I guess it was a, their gym room that they also kind of stored stuff in. But for some reason, they put a chessboard on the ceiling. <laughs> Not a f- even a full chessboard, just like a couple squares here and there with uh, giant chess pieces just stuck onto the ceiling. I forget who said it, but someone said it reminded them of the, the scene in Queen's Gambit where um, she's playing like imaginary chess on the ceiling. So anyway, it was a very fascinating space, but obviously that ends up leading to a great time. And then best thing of all, I do this sometimes after gigs, I'll go with a friend to get burgers. And so we sat in the car played new music we were excited about and it had in and out which to me is just a great night I really can't complain after that the next night I actually went to go see said friend also play a show that friend in question is an artist called Merrick Winter Uh, I met him through the flight guys about a year ago and I just remember after meeting him going and listening to his music and just being so in awe. So getting to see him perform with a full band was really beautiful. He had such a respect and a reverence for his collaborators that worked on his uh, upcoming EP, Eve of Disaster, with him. He brought a lot of them on stage to sing songs and it was really cool to get to watch that. And as always, it's it's cool to get to support your friends when they play a live show. Um, after that, me and a few people from the show went to a spot in Los Feliz in East LA called the Dresden, where there was basically like a live neo-jazz night going on, which was just deliciously good to listen to. I mean, there's such a vibrance to neo-jazz and it's just all about being in the groove, all about being in the pocket and just having a damn good time. So it was a lovely cap off to the evening, a nice little chill way to feel some some nice end of the evening euphoria before going to bed and starting everything all over again. Now, while I was running around going to gigs this week, I also did not one, not two, but three interviews for the podcast this week. I usually try and only do one a week because I, you know, want to kind of, one, not spread myself out too thin, and two, like, kind of be really in the headspace of one record at a time but sometimes you know if the way bookings line up you sometimes you know make it work and you know what it was so worth it I had three different conversations with three completely different artists and I loved each and every single one of them they're all artists that I really believe in all artists that have such brilliant minds behind the music that they do make so Every once in a while when you have to do one of these kind of like really busy sessions, it's worth it because at the end of the day, you know, I feel so fulfilled by doing this. So, you know, I don't know that I can do like three episodes of recordings worth in a week every week, but when it has to be done, it is worth doing. So in in my case, I... I largely can't complain. I'm definitely going to try and chill this weekend and decompress and sort of reset my mind so I can hit the ra- ground running again next week and give all my energy to editing those episodes and 
packaging them up nicely for you to hear. But again, I'm happy to say that it's been a busy week, but a deeply fulfilling one and a deeply joyful one. So with that in mind, one of the three episodes I did record this week was the one that you are about to listen to or, or technically are listening to right now. And that is the episode with Shea Coulee. So if you are familiar with RuPaul's Drag Race, as I think a large amount of society is at this point, it's kind of a massive show. Shea Coulee has been a staple of it since her first appearance on season nine. She made it to the final two in her first season. She returned for All-Stars to win a season and then came back again for the All-Winners All-Star season. And that's been my the majority of my sort of witnessing of her artistry is through through Drag Race. And even though I definitely need to go and witness more drag art outside of just the TV show, um, I'm ashamed to admit I've never been to a live drag show, even though I live in Los Angeles. Um, and I have such a respect and a reverence for the art of drag. So it is about fucking time that I do that. But all c- things considered you know, getting to watch her evolve over the years as an artist has been so cool. She is such a jack of all trades. She is funny. She is such an artist when it comes to fashion and makeup. She really honors so many women of color, so many designers, including like queer designers through the the clothing that she chooses to wear as a performer and she's also a brilliant musician and overall like performer she has been making music for several years and i remember watching the latest season of all stars the all winners one and she performed her new song or newer song your name and I told her, as you'll hear me say in the episode later, it was like watching Janet Jackson strutting around the stage as Naomi Campbell. It was like mesmerizing. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh my God, if she releases an album, I want to interview her. Surely enough, she did. And then I like immediately went to her website. I was like, how do I find a contact? How do I make this happen? I I need to interview her. Oh my God, this is incredible. And surely enough, I am very thrilled to say that it's happening, that that's what you're going to be listening to in just a moment. The record that she's put out, Eight, is a concept record through and through, which I love to talk about because I love things that are super cinematic. If you remember uh, several episodes back, me talking to Clipping, you know, we talked about the sort of cinematic quality of their music and how much I loved being immersed in that. And same goes for Shea Coulee's record eight. So I don't want to say too much now. I really want to let her kind of tell you the stories behind this record. But there are so many just wonderful like nuggets of like cultural references, sonic references, all woven together with a beautiful story that celebrates the the magic of Black queer spaces. So without further ado, I'm going to leave you with my interview with Shea Coulee. I think this is one of the very few records that I'm getting to do where there's like kind of just a whole world built around the story behind the record um nice. and it's like such a like concept record through and through so it's really fun i'm like a super nerd about like the little details and things so <laughs> i'm i'm so excited about this 
Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to chat about it. Yay! Well, I feel like the best place to start really is just at the top and kind of setting the scene of the world that this record takes place in. It's a a, a city called Lipstick City. So I think I yes. I just kind of want to start by talking about that and letting you tell yeah. us a little bit where where all of this is taking place. So um, back in 2015, mm-hmm. 2016, um, I did a short um, art film called Lipstick City mm-hmm. um, that kind of, for me, was um, abstract and fantastical version of the underground drag scene in Chicago. And so... <clears throat> I wanted to create this fantasy world that lived within like nightclubs, discos, and dance floors because I feel like for a lot of people in the queer community, queer community, um, queer community, I love that. I was about um, to say, we should coin that right now. <laughs> um, it's a great way for us to come together and commune and celebrate and love on one another and also like love on ourselves like there's something amazing about being able to really just let go on a dance floor and just like find yourself and so um within this world i kind of also wanted to illustrate the social hierarchies that exist in the real world you know a lot of queer people um specifically specifically queer people of color, you know, um, are marginalized, are made to feel like outsiders and like they don't belong. And it's only through fantasy, makeup, smoke, mirrors and dancing that a lot of us connect with our inner selves on a really powerful level. So I wanted to make people feel like the dance floor is like, you know, kind of like church. It's like a spiritual um, experience and that it's something that can armor us with the tools that we need to survive out there in the real world that tells us that we're not, um, that we're not good, that there's something wrong with us. And so within Lipstick City, there's like two social hierarchies. It's like the, 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 the people who live underground, the queerdos, you know, they're referred to as the dolls. And then the like, you know, 1%, um, the, the conservative ones who inherit all of like the wealth and privilege of like the existence in the city, those are called the diamonds. So we open up um, with the track Collide, which I wrote um, back in 2018 in collaboration with my good friend um, Guess, who is an incredible producer and writer. Um, I had actually performed the song on um, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 5 and also um, released a video to go along with the single um, following the show in uh, 2020. Um, I mean, things were a little, it was hard to shoot a video during the pandemic, but we we wound up making it happen um, later on. And so, um, you know, Collide is a, it's an invitation, um, it's a challenge, 
Um, and it's also a warning that, you know, whatever we're going to experience together in this night is just tonight. And that can mean so many things, you know, it can be um, a romantic rendezvous. It could be a memorable night with friends. It could be, you know, one of the nights where you feel the prettiest that you have in like the past year. And sometimes, as we all know, who deal with like body dysmorphia, those feelings can be fleeting. It's about really going into the night, to the experience with intent and making the choice of how you want this night to go and be for you. Yeah. You know, it's funny, I guess this is more on the, I guess, the the love story side of it, um, rather than the kind of, like, going into the club and experiencing, like, this sort of, like, euphoria. It kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, in, like, the Baz Luhrmann version of Romeo and Juliet, like, the opening monologue. Like, it's, yes. like, we're setting the scene, and it's, <laughs> yes. like, a little bit ominous, and, like, it's, yes. like, shit's about to go down, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like that too, you know, it kind of um, lays the landscape of like what you can expect from this world. Um, and like I said, you know, it's kind of a narration. It's a tale. It's a warning of what you can expect from like going into this world um, that is Lipstick City. Yeah. Speaking a little bit about, I guess, the aesthetic of of Lipstick City. I mean, you're you are brilliant at using, I guess, like both sonic and visual art to to tell a story and and just make beautiful things. I mean, I've obviously watched your your drag art on television and have always been so in awe of you as an artist. But um, speaking specifically about, I guess, the aesthetic of this record, just because of the sounds you chose. It makes me think of like what the 1980s thought the future was going to look like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, very, you know, I take a lot of um, inspiration from Grace Jones. Um, and I feel like a lot of the visuals that she created, you know, she was looking towards the future and this the sense of 80s, like, you know, futurism and also, you know, films and things like um Metropolis. Mm. Um, a lot of those kind of elements did come into the play of both the the sonic quality and the visual qualities of this album. Because a lot of times when I'm writing, I write songs as if they're the soundtrack to like a movie. I like visualize like these cinematic moments in my head, like as I'm writing. And a lot of times those do tie in to the way that we do the videos and the visuals. So it's all kind of, um, I ideate on these things like together at once. And they both, they all kind of inform one another to help create like a more enriched experience. Absolutely. I, as a listener, I'm someone who loves to be like immersed in a world. Like music as escapism is such a like, delicious thing to me yes same exactly i think that that's like one of the major reasons why we listen to music to escape and then also sometimes too to come even closer with ourselves you know there's times where you're listening to something and a lyric just grips you and you're like i've never had a feeling described that way before, but it, it it totally encompasses everything that I'm experiencing. Like those moments 
they're always so brilliant, you know, when you're listening to music and a lyric just totally grips you. Oh my God, yeah. I recently did this like series on Instagram with uh, another like music creator where we like chose like lyrics that have really stuck out to us um, over the years. Just ones that have really, like you said, kind of hit home. There's uh-huh. one, um, there's an artist here in LA called Mia Folek who is... Mm-hmm spectacular i cannot recommend her more but last year she released a song uh called 2007 and there's like i mean there's so many lines on it but there's one line she says i'm a little girl with a woman's past never got used to having tits and ass never got used to living alone and it's kind of like it kind of encompassed like the way that it feels to like move through the world as a woman, for example, yes. and like be like objectified by people and kind of being like reduced to our bodies. And I yeah. think the fact that she said it in such a crude way as well, like mm-hmm. made it hit where it needed to hit even more. And it was just one of those like she's so good at kind of like like, again, finding that like pinpoint and uh-huh. saying it the exact way she needs to. Uh, one one lyric recently that really got me um, was uh, Victoria Monet's uh, song Goodbye on her most recent album, Jaguar 2. The opening line is, I never broke my heart before, but with you, I dropped it on a marble floor. Ooh. And it, <laughs> right, it just really... I was like, I've never, it's the visual of something so tender, you know, as your heart just like, just dropping onto something that is like the coldest, the hardest thing that you can imagine. It really just like, that one really got me. I was like, oof, damn. I was like, she was really into it with her pen on that one. Yeah. Okay. I think I may keep this tangent in actually, because one, I love thinking <laughs> out about stuff with people and I think it just... I think the joy of talking about other people's music as well as talking about one's own music kind of shows us like how people think about the way that they make their own music, which I think is really yeah. cool. But going back into the delicious world of, of Lipstick City and going to the 80s stuff, a couple little like, again, things that I thought of. You mentioned Grace Jones. You mentioned Metropolis. I also got like some Tron vibes. I got a lot of yes. like, Thierry Muggler vibes. Um yes. The fact you that get you meant, it. I get it. <laughs> the fact that you like mentioned La Perla, like I could imagine even like going into more like well, both the eighties and nineties, like the the super super models of those eras. Uh-huh. And then the last one I wanted to mention was the the song and video for Too Funky by George Michael, because La Perla yes. just has that kind of like stompy Absolutely. like George mm-hmm. Michael energy to it. So I felt like I needed yes. to, to mention that. Absolutely. No, you get it. You are you're like hitting all the references in that. To me also, as a music creator, is like so satisfying because you're just like, oh my God, like they got it. All these references and like things that I was pulling from, I'm just like, sometimes I'm like, well, well, will this really translate? But I'm like, who knows, who knows? And you know, the way that I envision it to know that the way that this music creates similar visions and like you tap into these references and the things that you see it just it is it is always very very satisfying to hear that because you're like okay yes you did a good job communicating your vision (laughs) you really did and i'm kind of curious like what specifically about this era and the sort of aesthetics and sounds of it draws you in so much 
I think because this is my first, you know, full music project, I was like, okay, I need to go back to my roots and go back to the first sounds that I remember hearing when I was like a young kid and like, you know, listening to music that my parents listened to, but to my, that my older siblings listened to. So a lot of that was like, you know, I mean, my parents went all the way back to the Temptations, but a lot of like the more contemporary things that I was hearing was like a lot of like late 70s, early 80s, like into like um, early 90s and like house music. So that 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 kind of really encompassed this project because I just kind of wanted to go back to what felt like the purest and most original state of music that I remember experiencing in my life and how and 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 two because like a lot of these songs that were created for and that, and not just for but were also in, embraced and elevated by queer audiences me not even knowing that i was queer as a child that there were specific songs and sounds that i was leaning towards i just feel like you know that type of synergy I wanted to recreate that as much as possible um, with this first project. Yeah, it's amazing how like it's both like, again, very shiny. And I think it kind of matches, again, the euphoria of the dance space, but that it also has this sort of like very grounded personal connection for you as well. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of which, I think we're going to, I mean, we talked about Collide a little bit as our like intro, but like, I, I kind of want to talk about like the first few songs that really feel like they're in the club, which is mm-hmm. like divine. Like that one makes me think of like the girls walking into the club at the beginning, you're seeing all your friends and there's just that sort of like euphoria of like, we're about to have this night together. Um, Boom, nailed it right on the head. Yeah, it's supposed to be like, for me, it's the like pregame amp up to like when you're getting to the club, you know, um, wanting to set the scene of you're being in front of the club, you know, and you open up with walk past the line, who's got the time. I know I'm looking fine. My face is so divine. Like face card, I show up, they see me, me and my girls, we're all getting in, like let's descend this staircase, uh, go into this incredible nightclub and let's just like start what is going to be an incredible night. Yeah, I love it. And it has that that euphoria to it. Like that, again, that feeling like when, like, of just like, I see my friends, I see my community and and that yeah. you know you know that like that kind of pang you feel in your heart when you see your people and it's just yeah exactly the most gorgeous feeling i kind of imagined it as like um the beginning of beyonce's naughty girl video when like her and all of her girlfriends are like sashaying into the club just kind of like really drawing all the attention onto them you know all eyes on them before it turns into this really cool kind of uh dance performance yeah yeah it's got that again like we again like like you said the face card the beat is correct all of it is there but it's also again there's like a this sort of like communal feeling to it as well yes yeah so that's there too although if we want to talk about flexing i think new phone who dis is a good place to go next um (laughs) yes so I, as part of the research for this, and it's ended up finally coming up in a few other conversations, but I was watching Paris is Burning because I feel like if I, mm-hmm. I want to look at something that's 
so foundational to the history of like black queer spaces that's such Mm -hmm. an important piece of art and i could just imagine like this song soundtracking like two like rival you know two rival houses voguing against each other and throwing shade like it kind of had that like grit of like like this is the dolls in competition they are going at it you know (laughs) absolutely that's like that's it's a it's definitely a talk your shit kind of song. Um, and really, uh, I actually wrote New Phone Who This back in 2017. Um, and a lot of it stemmed from um, being in a group chat with the cast of season nine of RuPaul's Drag Race and everyone bullying me for having an Android because they were so sick of seeing my green, yeah, they were so sick of seeing my <laughs> green balls. And so I just like, you know, when I got my new iPhone and my bubbles switched over, I just like kind of jokingly wrote this song as this attitude of like this brand new bitch that you can't talk shit to because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a new person. I am an iPhone holder. I'm brand new. Who is this? Because, like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just, like, in a whole different class of person. Like, it's, like, this jokey kind of, like, in-your-face attitude and, like, ability to, like, talk shit that also feels, like, very, for me, like, so unserious. But, like, it is that that same spirit of, like, throwing shade towards a rival because a lot of times it's just all like, girl, we just throw shade just because it's fun to be bitchy. Like, not because there's anything deep. A lot of times we just like to throw shade and be silly because it's fun to be bitchy. Like, <laughs> that and this song is like very much so that energy yes i i completely agree i lived in the uk for a few years and there it's this very funny parallel that i've noticed between like the queer community and british people is that they have their kind of own way of like throwing shade in I guess yes. they call it banter. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's like, as long as you're not like cutting too deep, like it's it's almost exactly. sometimes it's like almost weirdly touching in the way that it's like, it's like a way of saying like, I see you. And so like, yeah. because I pay attention to who you are as a person, I can kind of comment on that. And as long as, again, I'm not cutting deep, it's it's out of love exactly. and it's out of fun, you know? Exactly. Which, I, again, I love. Now, moving on, I think, to La Perla. When I first heard La Perla, I thought, like, I think this is, like, the Diamond song. But I almost wonder if it's more of, like, aspirational for the dolls. Because it's really, like, name-dropping and all that. Uh-huh. And I'm curious which, if it's both, if it's one or the other, or if it's something totally different. Um, yeah, it's actually, uh, like the latter. It's, um, kind of like, uh, the dolls coming forward. It's kind of like a staking claim, um, about like one's own sense of self. And, um, it it kind of refers to Ascension this way that there's, you know, in the chorus, it says, um, hips are revving up the throttle built just like a supermodel. Um, if you want to get to heaven, you won't get there without sweating. So it, it it kind of is this this idea of like if you really want to feel uh, uh, the feeling of like ascension and like going higher, you got to put in the work, baby. Like you got to do the damn thing. And it's kind of like a sense of like showmanship for the dolls to come and say like we're sticking our claim. This is who I am. I'm taking up space, and I'm a powerful human being. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think this this a similar idea came up um, 
in in an episode another episode where again i kind of touched on paris is burning again but like this idea like you said of like staking claim and carving out space like i remember like some of the categories in in the ballrooms would be like you know like i i've i've said before like the women on Saks fifth avenue or like you know yes. like country club realness or whatever and and it's sort of like if we are not welcome in this space well fuck you we'll just make it ourselves you know absolutely like we will build the fantasy here and that is really kind of like at the core of uh of this and also just like at the the it's about you know being able to create space for yourself to like you know be the best and brightest version that you can be and that's that is a lot of like what ball culture is you know there wasn't space in the world for these queer people of color to exist and like live out their ultimate potential and fantasies so they had to go underground and create a space for themselves and that enabled them to be especially within their own community these these to to see other people be and move and and exist in a world in which they can be as powerful as beautiful as rich as opulent as they want to yeah you know, that kind of also makes me think a bit of, of material. In my notes, I'd written, like, where is, like, you know, new phone who's this is kind of more like the throwing shade. Material is more like celebrating the kind of collective magic of of the art of drag, of, of queer spaces, and kind of, again, like, touching on this sort of, like, superpower that this community has has created. Yes. Um, material for me, um, I just wanted something that really just, it, that felt celebratory, that felt, um, fun and, um, you know, allowed the listener to feel like they could walk into any room, any floor, any, any ball, any space and shine and be the best and brightest version of themselves that they can be. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I have anything to add to that because that is kind of a perfect line to encompass it. So with that, I'm going to kind of pivot for a little bit because as we mentioned when we were talking about Collide, there's sort of a a story of love and or infatuation at the center of this record, as well as the story of the sort of diamonds and the dolls. And so Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the songs that touch on that. Um, Again, we already talked about Collide and it's sort of ominous setting the scene but now i think we get to kind of touch on the two songs that are just straight up euphoric which for me are let go in your name it's just like that's oh, that's like that's the good bit that's like <laughs> like if we're talking in like romeo and juliet terms that's like the bit where they're in love in the middle before yeah shit hits the fan, <laughs> you know yes i'm like let go is definitely when they spot each other through the fish tank you know it's like when Maria and Tony and West Side Story spot each other across the dance floor and like the whole world stops. Um, Let Go really for me is an examination of being at the club, being on the dance floor, having a good time, enjoying yourself, being there for your own intentions and purposes, but then having the chance encounter with someone who you just immediately connect with 
um, and dance with and have like all these, you know, sweeping emotions uh, when you're with them. It's, you know, it kind of makes me think of the song by Kylie Minogue, Dance Floor Darling, off of her disco album. Um, Dance Floor Darling for me is kind of, it's cut from like the same cloth as Let Go. It's about really being swept up in a romantic moment on the dance floor and just like allowing yourself to just be the only two people in the world together. You know, dancing, moving together, sharing space. You know, there's something really intimate about having uh, a dance partner on the dance floor. Um, and that's what Let Go is really about, just having a, and encountering someone that you've never met before and just having just this really memorable and unforgettable time together on the dance floor. Yeah. Also, I have to say, as as we start to go into your name, like I when I saw you perform it on on the latest season of All Stars, I was like, oh, my God. Like then as soon as like once the album got announced after off the back of having seen that performance, I like immediately was like, "Okay, how do I set this up? How do I make this interview happen? Because I was like, that was amazing. Like it was like. Thank you. Janet Jackson, but strutting as Naomi Campbell. And I was like, yes. this is... Ah, I like, will take all of that. <laughs> oh my God. Um. So anyway, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about this song because this was the one that kind of like first turned my head and made me go like, okay, this needs to happen now. I need to interview Shay. So yeah, I guess kind of continuing on where where it picks up from from let go because they kind of like exist together if i remember correctly the music video for yeah for they both are of one them. And yeah, they, they're, they're yeah. One. Mm-hmm. um and they do they do exist together because you know it's kind of uh let go is the prelude to um your name and your name is really trying to capture the the ultimate euphoria of like (laughs) being on the dance floor with someone and like you're just having such a good time that you're like fully lost in the moment Um, and going round and round. If anybody has ever had the the experience of holding on to somebody and spinning in circles on the dance floor, um, I encourage it very like Jack and Rose in Titanic. If you've never done it before, Try it because if there's something, it will spark just like such a level of joy. And like, there is something about spinning round and round with someone, everybody else, everything else in the world is like in soft focus and all you can see is each other. And there's something just incredible about it. (laughs) It's like, and next, okay, maybe not not hinge date one because I I, I need to build a little more more of a connection. But like, if we get if I get someone to like the the third date, this is the new this is the new second base. Everyone, it's spinning round and round in a club. Yes, yes, I literally encourage everyone to try it because you will be surprised at just like how great it will make you feel with somebody else again i'm so gonna do that like just that actually just sounds so so good and so euphoric so yes yes i agree (laughs) so that's really what um your name 
is about. And I, I, when I sat down to write that song, I was really kind of nervous because um, I wrote it with Sam Sparrow and he's someone who I've been a fan of since 2008. So I really was just like, oh damn, okay. Um, and I just really liked the first verse of the song just kind of like poured out immediately. And um, it was really just just a like, ooh, all the lights are down. And that when that came out, it like set the scene. And then um, I just kind of like kept writing and then we just kind of kept toying around with what the chorus would sound like until we landed on something that felt really good. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of became what it is now. I mean, there's all these other things that we had like um, wrote for the song different melodies, different like pre-choruses and things, but then we just kind of stripped it down and made it really simple and put it together the way that it is now. And it's truly perfect. Yeah. Sometimes that's just what you need. You kind of have to be straight to the point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this was, and for the song, it really did call for that. Yeah. I think with that, we're going to go to the final song of the record, which is quite fittingly a good place to sort of, of close things. This sort of feels, at least the way that I first heard it, it felt like, you know, as I mentioned, like, Collide felt like the opening, like, ominous, you know, like, prologue, prologue, prelude, you know what Uh I mean? The thing that is at the beginning, um, whereas self-control kind of felt, I don't know, it feels a little bit tragic almost, um, especially Mm -hmm. coming off the back of some of the, like, more euphoric songs in the middle of the record, so... I guess I'd I'd be curious to hear you speak on on that and sort of its place in the record. Yes, self-control. It really was one of those songs that felt really effortless to make. Um, it, it, it came out very similar, like Let It Go. Um, both of them, like, it was like I was literally just walking around in my Airbnb, knew that I was having a writing session, I'm just like, oh gosh, I have nothing. And then all of a sudden it was like this whole entire song just like dropped into my soul. And I, um, yeah, I really was in that time just wanting to examine self-control because also it can become so easy in the world of nightlife to overindulge. And there's so many ways in which people can struggle with self-control, be that with, you know, um, uh, alcohol, uh, cigarettes, uh, love, romance, sex, eating. There's so many things. I mean, even just some people have trouble having ex- exercising self-control over their temper. There's so many things where like we get these short-term fixes and these like short-term validations that um, don't seek to really serve the greater good of who we are. But it's part of the human experience. And like in the song, you know, you're just basically saying like, hey, I'm recognizing that I'm not perfect and I don't have the most self-control, but that's just part of me being human. And all I need from you is grace. And I think that grace is something that's really important for us to also exercise and also um, try to work harder towards because, you know, like I said, nobody is perfect. And so I feel like it's important for us to be able to ask for grace, but also give it to people as well, and also be realistic about the parts of us that aren't perfect. 
8 is available now wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by myself, Sophia Lopercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Welford. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.